You're listening to Shit Adults Never Taught Us, the podcast where we talk shit in a good way. All right, so today we have Chris Rickstrew from 8 Billion Lions. His company focuses on getting you out of your head and into your heart so you can make better choices when it comes to your future and what you actually want. Our discussion is pretty far-stretching. We talk about meditation practices. We talk about his journey, what he thought was going to be a three-month journey to Nepal that ended up being a three-year journey through Nepal, Thailand, and Bali. We talk through his giant wake-up calls in life and how the lessons he's learned along the way are helping others through his coaching business. I promise you guys, this is a really cool discussion, so I strongly encourage you to just take the next 30 minutes, unwind, and listen to my interview with Chris of 8 Billion Lions. Hi, welcome, Chris. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. All right. So I want to give our listeners a little background on you. Will you tell everybody your story? Uh, yeah, so my story really starts back when I was 27 and, um, I had this experience where I got to where I thought I wanted to be in life and it absolutely sucked. Um, and you know, on paper, the thing was I was living the dream, you know, I was 27. I had already built and sold my first company. I was the CEO of my second company. I just raised half a million dollars from investors. I had 25 people working for me. I was about to raise another $2 billion. I had the fancy car and the job title and all that stuff. And on top of all of that, I was dating the girl that I thought I was going to marry. So like on paper, I was living the dream. Um, but in reality, I was completely unhappy and unfulfilled. And that was really challenging for me because I had spent my entire life working towards, you know, getting to this point because I thought it would make me happy um, just to realize that it left me feeling completely empty. And it was so frustrating. It's like, imagine you spend your entire life climbing one mountain. And you know, you're, you're climbing and you fall down, you get up and you get all the bumps and the bruises and the scrapes and the scratches. And then you finally get to the top. And just as you're about to like raise your fist and celebrate, you look across the valley and you realize you climbed the wrong mountain. And mm. I was like, oh, it was heartbreaking because I had sacrificed my relationships, my family, my health, my well-being. I sacrificed everything to get to that point because I thought it was going to make me happy and it didn't. Um, and so that's when I started really looking inward for answers. You know, I started meditating and journaling and, and reading and doing all these different things and really connecting with myself. And then one day I had this realization that I had gotten to this point of living this inauthentic life because I had spent my entire life listening to my head rather than my heart. And I had spent my entire life chasing money rather than happiness. And really I had spent my entire life chasing someone else's dream. And, you know, in that moment, it was just like, this is how I got to this point. And so um, from that moment on, I made a promise to myself that for the rest of my life, I was going to really follow my heart um, in whatever direction it took me. And that led me to a really significant moment in my life where um, my girlfriend at the time, the one that I was sure I was going to marry, uh, we were sitting across from each other in the living room. We're having this argument back and forth. And then there's just something in my heart that just said, it's over. And I was like, oh. And so I remember there was like this pause in, in arguing back and forth. And I looked at her and I said, I'm breaking up with you. And her eyes got really big and started filling, filling with tears. My eyes got really big and started filling with tears. And there was just dead silence. And she got up, she walked over to the kitchen counter, she grabbed her keys and she walked out the door. And the moment the door slammed, it was like my entire future disappeared. 
Like we had everything planned out. We had our kids' names planned out. Like we had everything planned out. And so my entire future just disappeared. So I was like terrified, like, oh my God, what am I going to do with my life? So I felt that. But then the other thing I felt on the opposite end of that was total freedom. It's like my entire future just disappeared, which means I could do anything now. And so I sat there for a few minutes going back and forth from being terrified to feeling free, you know, and fearful to free and fearful and free. And I didn't know what the hell to do. So I closed my eyes. I put my hands on my heart. I asked God, the universe, whatever you believe in. I said, what's next? And before I could even finish the word next, my heart said India. And I opened my eyes and I said, all right, I'm moving to India. And my mind was immediately like, what the beep? Like India, are you crazy? Like, you know, you hate traveling, you hate the heat, you hate germs. Why in the world would you go to India? Like I had no desire to travel anywhere, um, but I promised myself that I would follow my heart. And so six months later, I downsized my company. I gave away all my stuff and I bought a one-way ticket to Nepal. And my plan was to be gone for three months and it ended up being three years that I was out there. Um, and the entire time I was following my heart, that led me to living at a yoga and meditation retreat in the Himalayas for three months in Nepal. I traveled through Myanmar for a month. Um, I lived in Thailand for two years. I got to work in an elephant sanctuary. I got to live with monks. Um, and then I went to Bali for a year. And Bali is where everything really changed for me because when I was in Bali, I launched my coaching business and I ended up coaching 100 people one-on-one -on -one in my first eight weeks, which is a ton of people. Most coaches don't coach that many people for like years. And so it was just person after person. I coach all these people. And while I was doing this, I had this massive realization that every single person on the planet is fighting the same battle that I was, the battle between your head and your heart, or what I started calling your inner sheep and your inner lion. And I call it your inner sheep because this is the version of you that holds you back. It comes from a place of fear and self-doubt and it makes bullshit excuses and it does whatever it can to stop you from moving forward with your life. And then we have our inner lion, which is our heart, our soul, our greatest self. That's a person that we're truly born to be. And that version of, of us comes from a place of courage and passion and purpose. And that version of us pushes us forward to go after the life of our dreams. And every single day, these two versions of us are battling to control our choices because your choices control your future. And so I had this realization that, wow, everyone is fighting this battle, you know, this internal battle on a daily basis. And, and so that's when I realized I really needed to launch my own personal development brand. Um, and so I launched that and it's called 8 Billion Lions because the vision is to live in a world where everyone is being their lion, all 8 billion of us. And, you know, when you're being your lion, you're being the greatest version of yourself. You know, you're in alignment with your passion and your purpose um, and you're living a life that actually inspires you. And so it was like three years before that, I was completely lost, unhappy, unfulfilled, miserable. Then I went on this three-year soul-searching journey through Southeast Asia, and I came out of it knowing my passion and purpose in life, starting a business that I absolutely love. I coached thousands of people, and I got to travel around the world. And so I went through this massive transformation from sheep to lion, from you know unfulfilled to completely from fulfilled. And I want to share that with the world. And so that's what I'm up to now. I have my own personal development brand. I have a coaching business. Um, and I'm also launching my speaking business so I can get on stage and share this philosophy with the world. I love it. All right. We'll get to 8 billion lines in a minute. Okay, perfect. We're going to backtrack first. All right. So let's go all the way back. Uh, we've been on similar journeys. There were times at the beginning of when I noticed I wasn't happy that I would change a small thing. Like, mm. and I write about this in the book where like, if you want to move, redecorating a room isn't going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like moving that couch is really cool, but it's not going to make you feel better about not moving. Right. So I'm curious in your journey to finding 
I say that I blew up my life, like in the journey of figuring out how to blow up your life, did you make small changes that you were like, maybe this will do it. Maybe this will do it. Like you're turning dials, seeing what works. Uh, in the beginning, I tried changing a lot of small things, but it just never did the trick. It was like, you know, let's move to a different apartment or let's get a new office space or let me buy something, you know, with this, because the thing is I was unfulfilled. And so whenever you're unfulfilled, we naturally try to fill that emptiness inside of us with things, with stuff, you know, with yeah. experiences, like with external things. And so it was like, I was, it was hard because it's like, I knew I should be grateful. Like I'm successful. And I'm going to be even more successful. And I'm on this amazing path and I, I'm my own boss and I control my own destiny and I should be so happy, but I'm empty inside. And so what I actually did is I would, you know, I would leave work. And as soon as I would walk in, to my apartment every day, I would just smoke weed and I would get high. So I didn't have to cope with the fact of how unhappy and unfulfilled I was. It was like, I got to escape my unhappiness. And because the reality is I looked at my life and I had built a prison around me. I was living in a prison. It might've looked like a palace, but it was a prison because I was in, I built the wrong business. I had a business that I hated. You know, I was in the wrong body. I was hundred pounds overweight. I was in the wrong relationship, which was completely toxic. And I was living the wrong life. Like everything was wrong. And I had built this structure around me that became a prison. And so I did everything I could to try to escape that um, by making little changes here and there. But it wasn't until I finally made the decision to completely step away from it that everything changed. And I think because we live in a what's next society, like the happiness that you're seeking is in the next thing. So you're not happy with yep. your job you'll be happy in the next job. You'll be happy with the promotion. You're not happy in your relationship. Just wait until you guys move in together. Yeah. Like if something, <laughs> but it's the unfulfilled feeling, it's the void. Yeah. So if you're thinking, you know, this relationship, I'm feeling really disconnected. We will feel more connected when we share a space, when we're married. The thing with hoping happiness comes in the next thing is that you're always going to be seeking something external without ever going internal. Yeah. So was there a moment for you where the internal clicked when you realized there's nothing around you that's actually gonna fill it? You have to look inside. Yeah, so when I moved to Nepal and I, I moved into this yoga and meditation retreat was, was on the side of the mountains, like in the Himalayas and it had this beautiful view of this lake, like it was like paradise. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I still feel all the same feelings I felt when I was back in Denver. And then that's when it hit me that no matter where I go, I'm there. And I could change my external environment as much as possible. Like that was a drastic change going from Denver to the Himalayas, like, you know, at a yoga and meditation retreat where they didn't even have Wi-Fi and the hot water was like rare, you know, it was just like going in this completely different, you know, experience and environment. And that's when I realized that it doesn't matter where I go or how I change my external world, the internal me still exists. And that's the version of me that I have to take on. And that's when I started doing the deep inner soul work, because I was like, I can't escape this version of me. So I need to heal this version of me. And I'm still on that journey. Um, yeah. But so many people, they're trying to escape themselves by doing external stuff. And it's just, it's never going to, it's never going to change because you are the common denominator. And once you figure this out, so you're in Nepal, your life is completely different. You're no longer in Denver. You're no longer with the person you thought you were going to marry. You're no longer in the job or the career path you thought you were going to have. How much of the personal healing journey and the growth that you went through was grieving the future that you thought you were going to have? Um, 
there was actually very little of that. Um, I did that in the beginning when we first broke up, um, you know, for that six months before we, you know, before I like actually went to Nepal, that first six months, that was tough, you know, cause we're in the same city and it's like, you know, well, maybe I made the wrong decision, but I knew in my heart, like I knew in my heart and soul, it was the right decision, but my mind wanted to come back. My mind wanted the com comfort and the security and the safety and, you know, um, you know, what, what feels normal. Like it wanted that, but I knew deep down in my heart that it was not for me. And I could look at this future and I, I had spent years looking at my future and knowing that something about it was not meant for me. And so it was, I finally pulled the trigger. And so um, that first six months up until I left, it was, it was challenging. But once I left, it was like my whole new life started. It was just like, wow, now let's see what happens. And so I was excited because there was nothing in front of me and I was able to follow my heart. I was alone so I could just do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. Um, and it was like, all right, universe, like, let's see what you got. And I just went for it. I love that because what it really was is those first six months, you were still looking for the external. You were still like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. Oh, this is unknown. Yeah. Okay, I've got to go fill this with something. I know this person, this is comfortable and known. Okay, let me grab this person back. Totally. Like, oh, okay, this is, I know the space. It's like, whenever you move, there are certain things when I move that I need in place to feel at home. Mm. And that's purely just me reaching and grasping for comfort. Yeah. And it's not the things. It's not because home has nothing to do with things. I've lived in Los Angeles for 10 years and I constantly say, Los Angeles doesn't feel like home. Mm. This is a city that's very good at like pushing you out and making sure that you're not very mm. comfortable here. Yeah. But then I can go to any place I like to travel. And when I go to places around the world, I'm like, I can feel at ease. I can feel at home in other countries. Mm. And really what it is, is it's me. It's a part of my soul that feels comfortable there. And it has nothing really to do with the place. It has to do with me and what goes on internally. Okay. So I want to backtrack for a sec. You find yourself in Nepal, a 10-day silent meditation. You have 13 hours a day where you're meditating. You can't speak to anybody. You are sitting in a room with you and your own thoughts. How much judgment comes up in that? There was a lot of judgment about my weight at that time. Oh. Because I was sitting there and you, you're not supposed to move. They just give you a pillow to sit on and that's it. And like, so I'm sitting there and you have to sit cross-legged and it's like, I'm sitting there and there's so much pain. Like my back hurts, my legs hurt. And I'm like, it must be because I'm overweight. It must be because like I, you know, don't work out enough or I don't do yoga or whatever. Um, and so that judgment started to come up. But then I saw everyone was struggling. Like literally every, people are readjusting constantly. Like people are trying to like, because there's so much pain. And so it was like the judgment started to disappear quickly. Um, and they give you this kind of meditation where it's body scanning. So your mind is focused on something else the entire time. And what they want to do is like, you focus on the top part of your forehead, one inch of your oh. forehead, and you focus on it until you can actually feel it until you can physically feel it. And then once you can feel it, you move to the next inch of your forehead and the next inch of your forehead, the next inch, and then you go down an inch and then you go across and literally you scan every inch of your body over and over and over again. And so you're so focused on trying to feel this part of your body and then that part of your body and then that part of your body 
that you don't even have a lot of time to think about other things um, because you're just body scanning the entire time. I think that's uh, really tough. And I probably yeah. wouldn't get that far without starting to judge my own body. Mm. When I started meditating, I did Vedic meditation for a long time and it's 20 minutes. And I would judge the thoughts that came in and out of my head. Like, mm. really, you only have 20 minutes and you're thinking about what you're going to have for dinner? Really? Mm. Like, the thoughts are coming in that are superficial about, you know, what somebody said to you earlier or that outfit you want. Or mm. I judged the thoughts coming into my head. And then I judged myself being like, you're not even meditating right. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is the full crux of why I needed to meditate because yeah. I have control issues and I wanted to control everything down to letting go of control. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I get it. I get it. So you've gone on a three-year journey, over three years probably. You end up in Bali. You want to start coaching people and take what you've learned, bring it to others. Yes. How does the lion and sheep mentality work? So the, the whole framework, the basis of it is we have this person that we were trained to be, um, you know, since we were a little kid, you should do this, you should do that. That's, you know, the egoic mind. That's what we call the sheep. That's the version of you that comes from a place of fear, self-doubt, worry, judgment. It's the version of you that holds you back. Now, it's not who you are. It's who you were trained to be. And then we have our inner lion. That is our soul. That's our greatest self, our highest self, whatever you want to call it. That's the person that we were born to be. That's the person we were when we were little kids before society turned us into sheep. Um, and that's the version of us who comes from a place of full self-expression and confidence and courage. And the more in alignment you are with your heart, your soul, your intuition, the happier you are. But we live in a very head-based world. We don't live a very heart-centered life because of the society we live in. And so, so many people are listening to their head. What should I do? You know, what shouldn't I do? What kind of job should I get? You know, what should I do with this? What should I do with that? And that leads to people living a very inauthentic life. And that's what leads to the unhappiness and the unfulfillment. And because we're not taught to follow our hearts, we're not taught to live a heart-centered life. We're not taught to live, listen to our intuition or our gut, you know, that's too woo-woo or whatever. Um, but that's who we are, really are deep down inside. And so everything that I teach is about how do we reconnect you to who you are? How do we remember who you are? Because inside you are this total badass fully self-expressed lion, but you've been trained to be a sheep. So every human being on this planet is a lion walking around in sheep's clothing. And we live in a society full of sheep. The status quo is to fit in and, you know, follow the rules and, you know, live this cookie cutter life. And so many people do that and they're unhappy and they're unfulfilled. And so um, there's this person we are trained to be and this person that we we're born to be. How much of the sheep do you think people put on their identity though? Because I feel like I introduce myself or people introduce themselves to me and the sheep is the identity I get from them. Totally. The, Hi, I'm so-and-so and I work at blank and I do X and yeah. not much comes from the lion portion, right? Yeah. It's a majority of that. Um, you know, it's like we, when I do coaching with people, cause I've coached over a thousand people one-on-one -on -one with the lion and sheep stuff. And the problem is, you know, when we were children, we learned to become the sheep. And then we went to school and it made us even more of a sheep. You know, you got to make other people happy. If you want to have friends, if you want to get good grades. And then we get into, you know, the workforce and it's like, oh, we got to make our coworkers happy. And we got to make our manager happy. And, and then we get into a relationship and it's like, oh, I have to make my partner happy. 
And so then what happens is we go through this process of losing ourselves and completely disconnecting with ourselves. And then we put on this act or this mask and we wear it around most of the day. That's why, you know, it's crazy because when we're kids, we hate going to sleep and we love waking up early because we're so excited about life. And then as we get older, we love going to sleep and we hate waking up early. Like sleep is our favorite thing. Like, oh my God, I love sleep. I get to sleep. And it's like, it just shows how messed up we become as we become adults because we lose ourselves and we disconnect from our source and who we really are. And so most people, they're operating from that sheep. They're operating from that egoic mind, that identity that was created a long time ago. And that's why they're unhappy and they're unfulfilled and they're struggling. And, you know, they're, they might have anxiety or depression or issues with, you know, addictions or whatever, because they're just so out of alignment with who they are. And that's a majority of people. I would say at least 90% of people are out of alignment with who they really are. And you say that we lose ourselves. And then when you talk to people who say that they're finding themselves or that they learned who they are, or they had to go on an exploration journey to figure out their authentic selves, really what they're saying is they're just getting back to that lion part of them. Totally. Because when you lose yourself and then you have to go find yourself again, it's like, no, you always had it. Yep. You're just redirecting where your choices are coming from. Totally. And that's why I say like everyone is a lion walking around in sheep's clothing. Like all those people are doing is they're taking off the sheep's wool. You know, they're taking it off and they're seeing themselves. They're like, oh my God, I'm really a lion. This is who I really am. I'm fully self-expressed. I'm powerful. I'm confident. I'm courageous. I'm fun. I'm bold. I'm, I'm this, I'm that. And it's amazing because when I do this coaching with people and we actually remove the sheep and show them the lion, they're like, oh my God, this is how I was when I was a kid. And it's like, yeah, yeah. you're lion. That's who you were born to be. You know, you were born with a purpose. You were born with a gift that was meant to be shared with the world. So you have a very unique personality and energy that's designed specifically for that. And when you tap into that and you start living in alignment with that, you're completely inspired. It's like, you know, think about if, most of us, it's like we're eagles that are trying to swim in the ocean. Like an eagle is not designed to swim. It's going to struggle. It's going to suffer. It's going to be exhausting. It's going to fail at being a fish. But if you take an eagle and you throw it up into the air, it's going to soar through the sky effortlessly because that's what it was born to do. Every human being was born to do something. They have a purpose and a gift that was meant to be shared with the world. But being that sheep stops us from doing that because we were, sold, we were all sold one dream. Go to school get good grades, so you can get a good job, so you could buy a house and a car and you get married and have two kids. And then one day when you're 65, you could finally retire and then you can enjoy life. And we were all sold on this bullshit dream and so many people are chasing it and that's why they're completely unhappy and unfulfilled. They're chasing someone else's dream. Chris, you and I align so much. I wrote a book about it. You coach about it. I mean, honestly, we align so much. I talk about it all the time. Like, why did we learn the things in school that we learned, but we didn't learn how to manage relationships or mental exactly. health or any practical life skills? Well, the crazy thing is our education system was created by the industrialists. Like they wanted better employees. You know, they had these big manufacturing plants where they had these employees that were not very good employees. And so they came together and they created the public education system. And that's why it's set up the way it is. That's why, you know, you go out to recess and the bell rings and everyone reports to their desk or their station. Everyone sits in a row and they listen to one teacher, AKA the manager. Don't talk to your neighbors, get your work done. You know, you have to go to school eight hours a day. You get two days off. They were just preparing us to go from school into the, into the plants, into the manufacturing a plants. Absolutely. And it's all financially based in capitalism because 
obviously math, science, all of the things that we're taught are important, but they're also the things that lead you to careers that make the most money and contribute to an economy. Mm -hmm. And we watch arts programs and sports programs get slashed left and right yep. because those things don't make money. Yep. Chris, I know we have limited time. I wanted to see if you'd be open to answering some questions. Sure. All right. What's one life lesson that you've had to learn over and over again? Trust yourself. And how did you learn that one? What's the time that stuck? Ah, oh, there's so many times. Like, because everything is for me is about following your heart, like listening to that lion. Um, and every time I do, things work out great. Every time I don't, it's like things fall apart. And so it is, I'm still in that process of getting better and better and better at it because the more you trust yourself, the more the universe gives you bigger opportunities to trust yourself, you know, where it's like, oh, could I really go for it? You know, should I really do this right now? Um, and so learning to trust yourself, I think for me has been an ongoing lesson. I trust myself infinitely more now than I did, you know, years ago. Um, and it's just developing that trust and that faith in yourself that has just been an ongoing lesson, like over and over and over again. That is beautiful. And that ties right into the next one, which is what, what is one piece of advice that you wish you had at 18? Oh, get clear on who you are and what you want before you do anything. What do you truly want? What inspires you? What makes you excited? Like, what could you imagine doing the rest of your life? What kind of difference do you want to make in the world? Like, I was like, I swear, I wish I met me when I was like 18, like the me now, like I could meet the 18 year old me because I would have saved years and years and years of my life because I spent all these years building the wrong company. And it's like, if I would have just taken the time to stop and really think about what I really wanted, I would be on a completely different path. Um, and so it was just this amazing thing of like, oh man, like you got to know who you are and what you want, because when you do, that's when life changes dramatically. That's when you are in alignment with your destiny. Know who you are before the world tells you who you are. Yes, absolutely. Because we live in a world where it's constantly telling us who we are and what we should be and what we should do and what kind of car we should drive, what kind of job we should have, where we should spend our money. It's just like we, it's our ability to think for ourselves has gone down dramatically. Yeah. So this next question I actually think is going to be very interesting for you. And I want to ask it in two different ways. Okay. So the standard question is what's one thing from this moment that you're living right now at this point in your life that you want to hold on to for the rest of your life. But because you've gone through such a journey, I'm curious if there's one piece from when you were in Nepal or Thailand or Bali that you want to hold on to or that you wish you had held on to and sort of lost when you came back, or if there's something that you are still holding on to now that you want to carry through. Um, there was this moment when I was in Bali and that's when I was working at the co-working space and I was doing the coaching and I started speaking and it's like my whole business and everything was like taking off, like it was taking off dramatically. Um, and I had a different girlfriend at the time. She was living with me in Bali and she moved back to Thailand and I was just, I was on fire. I was doing so good. And she moved back to Thailand and I dropped everything and I followed her. And that was like something where it was like, oh, I wish I would have held on to that moment in my life. And I wish I would have kept going. I wish I would have chosen myself rather than choosing someone else. And so it was an amazing learning lesson of like, oh man, I really put everyone else before myself. 
but I wish I could have gone back and just shifted that one thing and held on to that momentum that I had because it was so crazy powerful. It was so powerful, but I decided to leave and it took me another two years to gain, regain that same momentum that I had built in just a few months. So do you ever try and go back to figure out what the formula was? What was it that got the momentum going? Uh, for me, it was just being seen, getting in front of people, mm. because I always speak from my heart. Um, I don't have any scripts, you know, that I've, you know, no bullet point lists or anything like that. I'm always speaking from my heart. When I, when things were taking off, I was coaching from my heart. I didn't know how the hell to coach people. Like I wasn't a coach. And so I would just sit down. It's like, what can I help you with? And then I would speak from my intuition and my heart and my soul, and it would change their lives. And so I was just being self-expressed. But the big thing is I put myself out there. I wasn't hiding. You know, I've spent so much of my life hiding. And, you know, it's like, if I put myself out there and if I'm being seen, people can hear what I have to say and it will resonate with some and won't resonate with others, but at least I'm being out there. And so I look back at that and it's like being seen, just getting out there is so significant. I think so many people, that's all they want. They just want to be seen. Yeah. What's the best piece of financial or career advice you've ever gotten? Oh, that's easy. Do what you love. Do what you love. Like that is... And I believe that fully now, like, you know, I went out there and I did something I didn't love and I raised money from investors and, you know, it was crazy because when I gave away all my stuff and I was moving to Nepal, I had to go to all of my investors and tell them like, Hey, I'm so sorry. You gave us half a million dollars, but I don't love what I'm doing. I'm not passionate about it. And so I'm going to go on this journey and I'm going to go find my passion. And they all were amazing. And they understood. They're like, yeah, you can't you know, in business, you have to love what you do, because if you're not passionate about it, you won't push through the hard times. You won't have that inner drive to get through the challenges. And so they all said, you got to do what you love. You got to do what you love. And that's one of the main things they looked for, you know, when they invested in the company is do they love what they're doing? Um, yeah. And so it's like, because this is something you're going to do for 40 or 50 hours a week for most of your life. And it's the difference between work and fun. When you love what you do, it's fun. It doesn't feel like work. And you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I get paid for this stuff. Like, this is crazy. And 50 hours becomes 100 hours. <laughs> like, Yeah. And it's just like, you know, I, what I believe is like your work should be your magnificent obsession. It should be the thing that lights you up. It should be the thing that you think about all the time that you love and you enjoy. And it's part of your passion. And you've got this deep, you know, drive and, and inspiration around it because then it doesn't even feel like you're working. It just feels like you're living and you're living into your purpose and you're doing what you're born to do on this planet. And it's one of the best feelings in the world. And then the money just comes. The money shows up because you're on that vibration of abundance because you're so happy and fulfilled with what you're doing. And so you have to do what you love. The, the problem is we just live in a world where do what you should do, not do what you love. And most people have no idea what they love. And I think it became very obvious over the past year and a half to those people. Yes. Because we were forced to slow down. We were forced to reflect on our own lives. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh my God, I'm stuck at home and I hate what I do. Yes. And now the workforce is seeing that. People are saying, you know, I, I'm having a hard time getting people at my company. Okay, then look at your company. Yeah. Because if people love it there, they'll flock to you. But if people find it to be a toxic environment or they find the work tedious or they feel like they're not supported, they're leaving. Yeah. And there is a culture right now that supports them leaving. Yeah, absolutely. Their lion is coming out. Their sheep, they're, You're dang they're right. no longer sheep. Their lion is coming out. No, exactly. Chris, 
thank you so much for being here. Will you tell everybody where they can find you and where they can learn more about all the services that 8 Billion Lions offers? Yeah, they can just go to 8billionlions.com. Uh, it's number 8 billion with a B, lions.com. Um, and they can check me out on Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's all for today's episode. Check back in next week to talk a little more shit with me. In the meantime, be sure to grab your copy of Shit Adults Never Taught Us on Amazon and Barnes & Noble to learn all the shit adults never taught us. And in case no one told you this week, you're killing it. So keep going, you genuine badass.